We're excited about this being the third week in a row for Stories from the Seats. Stories from the Seats. Let me say a word about this before I call Don up. Um, we're trying to help our congregation actually understand what biblical is. And biblical isn't open the Bible, read a verse, and study it. Biblical is actually doing what the Bible says. So when you love a neighbor, that's biblical. When you forgive someone who's hurt you, that's biblical. When you come forward and take off your mask and give a testimony, that's biblical. And let's leave thinking biblical is always studying to biblical is actually like the book of James we learned a while back, is like doing what the Bible says. That's biblical. So we think this is one of the more biblical series we ever do all year long. Uh, Don, come on up here. So um, this is the third week. Don Jacoby is going to tell his story today. I'm excited about uh, Don's story. Obviously, our teaching team was excited about Don's story. I know you're excited to be up here, Don. Uh, Nervous. Uh, we have a lot of different kinds of people who sit in our seats with a lot of different stories. And that's one of the beautiful things about a church like Orchard is we have people with all kinds of histories and all kinds of journeys. And Don's is unique. You're going to hear that in a minute. And um, he's got a lot of unique uh, pieces. But what we believe so strongly is that when Don shares his actual true story of God at work in his life, it touches us in areas that help us. And so I'm going to pray. And then, Don, get out of the way. Okay. Uh, dear God, thank you so much for Don for uh, the courage to take the journey class, for the courage to get up when asked and share this story. Uh, thank you for, uh, you know, the story itself, how this song, uh, Chris was talking about reckless love, God coming after somebody. Well, God came after this guy and uh, found him and changed him and grew him. And, Father, that's the kind of testimony that uh, challenges us in our thinking and our living. Uh, Father, be with those of us who listen that we could hear clearly um, the part of the story that's meant for us to hear and think about and learn from. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Dave. i got to get my glasses on. I can't read otherwise. Uh well, I grew up in the Cedar Falls, Waterloo area in an ex-farm farmhouse in Cedar Falls. And there are four siblings in my family, two boys and two girls. My childhood memories are of hand-me-down clothes, government surplus food, and beatings in the middle of the night. My father was a hard-drinking, angry man that often disciplined Jim and I with either his fists or his belt. When I was about six, Ma tried to get Jim and me into a church on Main Street in Cedar Falls. After a couple of visits, we got kicked out. An elder had informed my mom that our social status didn't meet their standards. My mom is not a crier, but on that day, she left with tears in her eyes. I was told about the birth of Jesus at Christmas about the crucifixion for Easter, 
and tales of David and Goliath, Noah and Jonah. I saw the Ten Commandments with Charleston Heston as a child, but I learned more about God through the ac- others' actions, those that believed in the Bible, but even though some of them didn't go to church. On April 10th, 67, my father had been arguing with mom. Then he came upstairs and beat the H out of me. And he then went downstairs, packed his bags, and walked out of our lives. Later that year, they divorced due to the pending birth of my half-sister. I started working odd jobs and seasonal work to help pay the bills. I ran the streets with other kids that came from poor and dysfunctional families. I started using alcohol and drugs. I also started having run-ins with the law for various reasons, petty theft, drug charges. In 76, I went into the military service, a four-year stint. For three years, I was stationed in West Germany in the 1st Armored Division as an infantry forward observer. I was already smoking hashish on a daily basis, and my drug use escalated to including opium and heroin. After my honorable discharge, I returned to Iowa to low-paying jobs, working in warehouses, part-time delivery drivers, and construction jobs, and janitorial work. I eventually moved back in with my mom because of my economic situation and my addictions. The hole in my soul had grown increasingly more ragged and dark, and an emotional detachment had set in as I continued in my addictions. I started to actively seek out the blackouts and the silences in between to escape from my very life. I had become suicidal. In 85, I met a cute redhead named Kayleen Aarons. We dated off and on for about a year or so before we started to spend weekends together regularly. We frequently had drunken arguments, and I usually would become verbally abusive towards her. 88 saw me land myself through a court order in a locked ward rehab unit for 45 days. While I was in rehab, a group from the AANA came to give their testimonies. As a wild-eyed individual gave his testimony about his drug and alcohol abuse, I saw myself as if in a mirror. After the meeting, the group came back to the ward with us, and I overheard comments that his testimony was BS, that a normal person should have died from using those amounts of drugs, that at the very least he should have totally fried his mind. Back at the ward, I went to drop some papers in my room. The only lights were the hall lights. Suddenly the wild-eyed man was standing in the doorway. He told me that God had told them to pray for me. I wasn't a believer. I didn't know this God of his 
or about this God. The man stepped quietly into the darkened room and softly asked if he could lay hands upon me. My mind raced. My nerves were on end. My muscles were tensed. He reached for my shoulders and began to pray. I closed my eyes and bowed my head as I had seen others do. At first it was like there was a static charge around us. And then it felt like a cool, gentle breeze was flowing through me. I can't remember his words, but the drive for, or the desire for the drugs and alcohol had weakened. This, I believe, was my introduction to Christ. After rehab, outpatient counseling and AANA meetings suggested that I seek out a spiritual enlightenment. Kayleen and I began attending First Christian Church, and in April of 91, we married. We had moved to New Hampton shortly before our wedding, so that, so we didn't attend church often, and eventually we moved back to Waterloo for work. 2000-2001 rolled around, and Ma was found to have colon cancer. We had discussions about her cancer and what was to become of the boys. Ma had raised Justin and John and had been their guardian because my sister, Ethel, had been in different care and mental facilities because of her addictions. We agreed that we weren't allowing them to be placed in the system. And in 2001, I became John's guardian, and he came to live with Kayleen and me. Justin had turned 18 and continued to live with Ma. During Ma's treatment and surgery for colon cancer, they found that Ma also had a brain tumor. Knowing more about God was becoming increasingly more important to me in order to handle the stress. After Ma's surgery for the brain tumor, I had gone to the ICU to see her. They informed me that she had been moved to skilled nursing. I went to her room, and she told me that Jim was there. I told her that I'd probably see him later. Then she told me that Jim was in her old room. At first I thought maybe it was the drugs because she had just come from ICU. After seeing her, I went back to the ICU and indeed found my brother in Ma's old room. He had had a heart attack from the stress and the overexertion. Kayleen and I started attending Heartland Vineyard more regularly with occasional visits to Jim and Sue's church, Countryside. When Ma's health deteriorated enough that she went to Windsor Care, she passed on in 2007. That night I went outside to call my sister, Mary, and inform her of Ma's passing. 
I cried out to God to change my life, to take away the pain and hurt, and to show me a different road. In 2009, my kid sister Ethel also passed away from cancer. We changed our home church to Countryside Vineyard, where it was easier to get to know others. There we met Mike and BJ, and Baloo asked us to join CMA, Christian Motorcyclists Association. We met with other chapters and rode various rides with veterans groups, abate rides, and with other motorcycle ministries. We went on church visits where we helped Paul at Harmony House and participated in biker Bible studies at Harvest Vineyard. We served at various events, CF Raceways, Night of Fire, security at area schools when Christian groups performed, and at motorcycle rallies. We met Dave and Carol Hora through CMA and had weekly Bible studies with them for five or six years. God continued to introduce us to a diverse group of people from various backgrounds. About three or four years ago, Blue and BJ had moved back to Iowa. BJ was found to have stage four cancer. So Kayleen and I spent about a year with them in Bible studies and in fellowship. After BJ's death, Mike moved back to the Reno area. And Kayleen and I decided to find a different church as the dynamics of countryside had changed. After some visits to other churches in the area, we decided that we liked Orchard Hill, the diversity of the people, the young adults, children, empty nesters and retired couples, and for the opportunity to grow in relationships and to serve in the community. At the beginning of last March, Kayleen collapsed one night. And I took her to hell in the hospital. She had suffered a mild stroke. And for the next several weeks, Kayleen bounced between Allen and Ravenwood. She had started having grand mal seizures and small strokes, according to the MRIs they had taken. At the end of April, Kayleen was transported to Iowa City. On May 3rd, they turned off the machines. After Kayleen's death, the next couple of months I drew into a shell. I withdrew from people. I felt lost with no sense of direction. I was praying to the Father 
to guide me through that time. I was asking what he wanted me to do. I realized that I needed to be with others. I served with Picnic in the park, and slowly I began to exit from my shell. After Picnic in the park, I was still seeking a sense of direction, and I signed up to take the journey. The journey has helped me to explore my relationship with Jesus and to start relationships with other members in the class. My sense of direction is to continue being the bond servant in whatever way that takes. And that's my thank you. This is a hard one. Yeah. We're going to uh, we're going to talk now. When I listen to your story several times, uh, there's a lot of places for people in the seats to connect with your story. There's the the drugs. Yeah. There's the uh, loss of a dad. Uh, there's the beatings. There's uh, the death of a spouse. There's cancers all over. So there's all these places. But I want to start with this one when you were a boy and your mom took you to church. Because that's a place where we have people in our church who connect where they've had a really negative church experience in the yeah. past. And so you, as you understand it, your mom and you went to church right here in Cedar Falls and were told you're not really welcome here. And that affected that, your mom. That, Talk about that a minute. Um, my mom had been raised in church and... Uh, my grandparents were involved in church all the time. My grandmother actually taught Sunday school. Um, she was a school teacher. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mom wanted to get us, at least my brother and me, into a church to get us away from the beatings and, right. and the abuse. To give you some hope there. And uh, we went a couple of times, and we sat in the back. And um, we were actually approached by one of the elders. It wasn't the pastor at the church or anything, but it wasn't a welcoming place. We came in, we'd sit in the back, Almost no one would talk to us in that. And then uh, after a couple of visits, one of the elders came up and frankly told my mom that we don't want you coming back. Um, and that was hard on your mom. That was really hard on my mom. Uh, like I said, my mom had been raised in church and everything, so for her to have somebody tell her, you're not welcome, uh, really... Hurt her hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so. Uh, one of our core values here in the church, one of our six, is everybody's welcome. Yeah, everybody's welcome, and that's one of the reasons because we read so much and hear so much about people who haven't felt welcomed by Christ Church. Yeah, and so um, we need to do that. Now, your dad was a hard man. My dad was. Um, I found out later on that my father had. Uh, 
served in the Korean War, but I didn't find that out until when he passed away. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, he was either drinking at home or out running around drinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And once he left, you really never saw him much again. I saw him two times during the divorce. And after that, um, I never heard from him for about 27 years. And I happened to be at my mom's house when he called and told her that he had cancer. And otherwise, there was no contact contact. between us. Yep, yep. Now I want to talk about this wild-eyed... Christian guy who came into your uh, cell, this guy you were almost afraid of. Now, this moment when he came, he gave a talk, and then he came privately back to your room and said, could I pray for you? Tell me about that moment. He told me that God had told him to pray for me. Uh, I remember this guy, uh, he wore an A shirt, a sleeveless shirt, tats all up and down the arms. Uh, he had an orange mohawk. <laughs> and the kind and, of guy you want to snuggle right and, up with. And, and had both ears pierced and that. And I, I was looking at this guy, and he just had this crazy look on his face all the time. And uh, he came to the room and he goes, uh, God told me to pray for you. And while he was giving his testimony up there, I, I could see myself in his story. Uh, one of the things he, he would go, you know, okay, if they... If we were doing acid, uh, one tab was good, two tabs were better. And I was going, man, I can't relate to that because I was, Yeah. it was always more and more and yeah. more. Yeah, yeah. And, and so when people said with his story, his brain should have been fried, you were thinking, that's me. That was me. Yeah. I, I was looking at it going, yeah, I, his testimony, like I said, I would I had become suicidal. Yeah. So then he I, lays his hands on you. And tell me about that moment. I was just, I didn't know what to think. I had never had anybody approach me to, uh, I had had people approach me and try to explain religion to me in that. But yeah, but this was different. This was different. Um, I was tensed up. I adrenaline was running rampant. I couldn't think. Um, yep. I almost couldn't breathe. I didn't know whether to get in a fight with a guy or run yeah. from him. <laughs> I, I always laughed sitting over here when I heard you say, "Well, when he laid his hand on my shoulder, I put my head down and closed my eyes because I've seen other people do that." Yeah. So then, but inside you felt something. In that moment, you felt something. When he was praying for me, like I said, it was like 
I don't know how to explain it real well, but it was like we're standing inside of a lightning bolt at first. Everything was electric, charged up, and uh, this calmness, like I said, the closest I can come is like a breeze, but it's going through me, it's yeah. through the muscles, through my chest, through the bones. Um, it's incredible calmness and peace. Yeah, and it wrapped its way through my mind and everything, and it was, and and I knew I didn't need the drugs and alcohol anymore. I didn't know I didn't know Jesus Christ. I didn't know God yet. Yeah, but I knew this had changed. Yeah, step changed. by step. Yeah, and this was a beginning step. And then you said in your story, I look back and think that's when I first started moving towards Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Wow, wow, wow. I, I was thinking how many times, and even if that guy, if we could find him, if he might not even know how God used that moment. Of prayer, he might not. He might not know that there would be somebody standing in front of a church today, saying that moment changed my whole yeah. direction of my life. And we all have those experiences where we whisper a little prayer for someone. Maybe we put our hand on their shoulder and pray for them, and we don't even know that it actually changes their lives. We never find out. So this is so good. Now I want to go to another place. Your wife Kayleen died uh, last May, and yeah. uh, I was privileged to walk with you in that funeral. And uh, but then after the funeral, uh, you kind of hid out. Talk about that. You kind of isolated yourself. I I pulled away from everybody. Uh, I just uh, I had so much pain from it, and I didn't answer my phone. I didn't answer either phone. I didn't take care of the mail. Um, I got where I would get up, go to work, come home, and basically just lock my door. Yeah. And um, I still would come to services on Sunday and then. And... Uh, I just knew that, okay, I've been through my parent, my mom going, my sister going. I had been through a nephew that had passed away also. Um, I just knew that I needed to turn to God for it. There's, there's no way I, in my own strength, I can't yeah. face that. Yeah. So um, you needed God. So you I turned to him, God. and you needed some people. Yeah, and I realized, wait a minute, shutting myself away isn't helping. Yeah. Um, I knew that I needed to get back and be involved with people, and yeah, and that yeah. was the only way I could make it through. Yeah. So we listen to your story, and we see that God 
has pursued you, God has sought after you, God has in some ways protected you from drugs and pain and all that. And not that you haven't experienced all that, but if you, what, what do you celebrate the most about God this morning? This morning, um, mainly that He's left a desire in my heart to keep growing, to keep looking to Him, uh, to keep growing, and uh, to keep doing things. I've got I've got a vest at home. It's a servants team on the back rocker, and uh, Kayleen and I both earned those when we were in CMA. And yep, that's the one thing I've learned is I still need to yep go deeper with God go and deeper with God and serve, and serve Him. Yeah, yeah. Is there any final thing you want to say to these folks? Uh, <laughs> no, I don't think there is. I think that's it. <laughs> There's nothing more, is there? Oh. I'm going to pray. Let's pray together. Dear God, thank you that you are a God of reckless love. You pursue us. You knock down doors. You uh, delete lies. You, you know, you kick down walls. You climb uh, mountains to show us how much you love us. You've done that with Don, and we celebrate his testimony. We celebrate his journey with Jesus. But, Father, we pray for ourselves that there would be something here we could learn, that there would be some part of the story that would uh, touch us in a way that would change us. And uh, I think of that vest he wears where it says servant on the back. Help each of us, Father, be a servant. And uh, love other people, even in the really, really, really hard times. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.